Hello everyone and welcome to the Lisa Burke Show where we continue our mini-series of political interviews and I'm delighted to welcome Eureka Backus, Minister of Finance for Luxembourg with me in the studio, of course from the DP Party. Minister, it's so great to have you here. Thank you so much Lisa, very happy to be here. Well, uh, I know we've spoken before but of course this is a very particular time in your life as a, a Member of Parliament, so to speak, a deputy. Um, and of course you represent the DP Party, you're standing with the DP party. So for those who might be a little bit new to the political scene in Luxembourg, tell us what the DP party is about. What do you stand for? Thank you. So I'm not not a member of parliament, a member of, of government. Uh, for the Democratic uh, Party, really what is uh, very essential is purchasing power of people. We have gone uh, through successive crises. Uh, we have had a pandemic. Uh, we have also managed an energy crisis as a consequence of the war, uh, Russia's aggression against Ukraine. Uh, so also people, also companies, but especially people also have had a really, really hard time uh, dealing with the consequences of these uh, successive crises. So what is extremely important for uh, the Democratic Party is to make sure that people uh, have enough money uh, to get through uh, these uh, difficult uh, times. We also want to support companies. We see that uh, we have a housing problem, a construction problem uh, in Luxembourg. Of course, this is not uh, particular to Luxembourg. We have uh, these kind of challenges in many uh, European uh, countries. But this is something uh, we can come back to it that uh, the Democratic Party also wants to address. We have a climate uh, crisis. We know that. We see it everywhere in the world. Uh, the consequences of climate change, that's also something that we need to address uh, and not something that we want to uh, dictate uh, on people how to live their lives, but together in discussion and dialogue with people see what we can do. And uh, we have a lot of proposals uh, there. Uh, of course, as finance minister, I'm always a little bit uh, biased to say, well, so many things to do. Uh, so many things to bring us forward as a, as a society. Uh, we have managed uh, these crises very successfully as a government, but we always need to have a long-term view because we're all, you and me, and everybody, I think, thinking about the children, our children, um, successive generations, and we don't want them to be stuck with debt that we decide today. Uh, we are now in election times. Lots of parties are promising wonderful things. Uh, most of which I think will just not be able to be financed unless we take huge, huge debts, which then have an impact uh, on the future. So we want to also make sure that we do the right things uh, to build our future, but make sure that all of this remains manageable also in terms of public finances. Well, you're the first person I've spoken to who's managed the idea of debt, which is extremely important for future generations. And just going back to the very top, yes, of course, once you become a member of government, um, there's a distinction in Luxembourg between government and parliament. Uh, and on top of that, I think you've mentioned most of the topics that I have written down in front as, of me. As introduction. As introduction. We can go into more detail. <laughs> yes, and uh, I mean, you are standing as a candidate, but also as a potential leader of this country. And so you individually, what would your top priorities be if they are distinguishable from the list you've already mentioned? 
I think what is very important uh, for me, but also for for my party always, uh, is that we manage to continue to have our economy be uh, competitive. Because without that, without uh, having a competitive uh, economic or ecosystem, uh, we will be in lots of trouble in the future. And and this is not sort of uh, uh, something that for the sake of, you know, uh, the economy working, it's really... Um, what we need to make sure is that we have jobs uh, and jobs will only be created in an economy that is uh, that is uh, competitive. So uh, that is uh, something that for us is and for me uh, is very important that the economy works, that we uh, remain competitive because uh, what we have in Luxembourg is a very uh, successful social system. Half of the uh, country's uh, budget uh, or the government's uh, budget goes into social transfers. So if we want to continue to have that, we need to have a successful economy. We need to have companies that pay uh, taxes. So everything uh, is linked and we want to continue to have a social system that protects people. Um, uh, That is our uh, way forward. So I think that would be uh, one of the main priorities uh, for me to make sure that uh, we uh, remain competitive. Well, that uh, leads me into what will be my first topic, which is all about taxes. But um, thinking about your time as Minister of Finance, I would love to learn more about how that time, and I'm sure it's been incredibly intensive, I know you get up super early, (laughs) Um, how you've learned to hone your skills as a politician, as a leader, and also how to work with your own ideals within a coalition. Yes, indeed, I get up very early. I love to be up before before sunrise. It's the best time of the day uh, to work, to work peacefully without the phone uh, ringing. So I'm up indeed very early. Well, like you said, we've we've gone through really very difficult times. Uh, it's just been crisis management before I joined the government, uh, before uh, with the pandemic, but also since I've been in government, uh, I uh, joined government in January last year. Six weeks later, uh, the war breaks out uh, in in Europe, in in Ukraine, uh, and all the consequences as a result of that. Being in government and working together, um, it really takes uh, takes a team. Uh, you have to compromise. And I think the art uh, of compromise is is really what uh, I, I, I come with that baggage because I come out of diplomacy where, you know, this uh, always being in, in discussion and finding compromise is uh, is extremely important on, on a European level, on an international level. So that is a little bit part of uh, my background uh, as well. Um, compromise, uh, communication, essential uh, if you want to get along as a team you always need to understand where uh, the other person the other ministers uh, other political parties are coming from so you need to communicate uh, enable uh, in order to be able to understand and then collaboration so really it's uh, in a way the the triple c (laughs) compromise (laughs) uh, uh, communication collaboration and maybe i can add a, a fourth c creativity i think you always need to be creative in finding solutions to the problems that you need to address It sounds like a very good educational system you've just uh, (laughs) laid out there. Um, Now, on to that that very, very tricky topic, but very important because you did already mention that half of the budget really that you are playing with goes towards social uh, industries in some way or other. So taxes. Now, we have all sorts of different taxes in Luxembourg and through the conversations I've been having, 
there's a few things that I just want to throw at you. I, perhaps the first one that comes up in general conversation with people is the difference between a single person's tax, single with children, married with children, etc. So a lot of people feel this is unfair. And of course, for people who are widowed as well, who are less commonly spoken about. Yes, and uh, I would agree with all of that. We have a system that I have inherited, that this uh, government has inherited, uh, that has been in place for for many, many years. Uh, And I agree with you uh, and I agree with people who have the feeling that uh, this is very unfair. Because why should you be taxed differently whether you are married or single or, as you said, uh, divorced, uh, separated or, or widowed? You should be taxed according to what you have and your income uh, situation. Uh, I also think the system that we have in place is fundamentally biased against women because that's also where it was born out of uh, a system where basically men worked, uh, women uh, stayed at home. And we are living in 2023. Uh, We have graduated this kind of a mindset where we want to promote or encourage people um, via a tax system Uh, to get married. People will choose not to get married. It's their perfect right. I can absolutely understand that. And you should not be taxed differently according to your marital or, you know, uh, status. So uh, we want to change this. Uh, We have wanted to change this uh, for a while. Um, That's what I hope uh, if the Democratic Party is part of a future government. uh, This is an absolute priority for us to make the system fairer. And linked to that, uh, I mean, there's all sorts of, we could go down a tax rabbit hole, but I know time won't allow that. But I want to bring up another um, conversation point that uh, other people have mentioned, which is um, inheritance tax and wealth tax. Particularly, it seems wealth tax is an idea that's being spoken about in this election campaign. So to start with the inheritance tax, the Democratic Party is against uh, such a tax because what is being taxed uh, with such an initiative has already been taxed. So we are uh, not uh, in favor of that. Today we do have taxation in indirect lines, so um, not uh, directly from from, uh, parents to children, but uh, indirectly we have a taxation in place and that uh, the Democratic Party would like to adjust that to to inflation. Uh, A third point on that is to Today, there is also uh, a taxation if you uh, give a gift, for example, parents, your parents want to not wait until they are no longer alive that you inherit uh, what uh, what. Uh, belongs to them. But during lifetime, they want to give this to you as a gift, be it a house or or something like that. Uh, This is also being taxed today. And this is something also the Democratic Party would like to uh, see revised uh, towards uh, less of uh, taxation, because also we see that that is not uh, not particularly uh, fair. Uh, The other issue, wealth, wealth, wealth. So on assets, some people think that income is hit very heavily on taxation, but wealth tax is slightly ignored. So also here we are not in favour of a wealth tax. We have uh, seen this and we follow very closely what also happens in other countries where this has either been introduced or uh, where the wealth tax that exists is uh, being increased. Uh, The consequence is that uh, wealth leaves the country. Uh, Capital is very mobile. Uh, You click on a button today and you can transfer your capital from one place to another. So uh, from uh, the Democratic Party's point of 
view if we increase wealth uh, tax or introduce a wealth uh, tax, this money is going to leave the country, which will not be uh, in the interest uh, of our country either. Like I said, we've seen this in other countries and we would not want to repeat those mistakes. It certainly can be moved uh, by the press of a button if it's... uh that sort of asset. But housing, <laughs> the housing asset, it's another topic that you mentioned, less movable and, and quite tricky. So give us your thoughts on the housing situation. The housing situation is tricky and uh, we see this across many uh, European uh, countries, housing uh, prices, uh, which Really, the situation was already quite quite difficult before. Now, uh, with the with the interest rates, it makes it increasingly difficult uh, for for people. Of course, uh, the European Central uh, Central Bank uh, has to try to keep uh, bring inflation back towards the target, which is two percent, and uh, it is uh, doing uh, its job here. But of course, interest rates do have a big impact on what people can do and what they can no longer uh, do. So for uh, the uh, DP, uh, really having a big housing initiative is uh, really of uh, fundamental importance. We need to get more housing out there. Uh, there is a demand and the supply has not been keeping uh, up uh, for a number of reasons. It's quite complex. Uh, one of the ideas that we have uh, put forward is creating a, a, a fund where people who may have some money uh, on the side can uh, can uh, contribute to, but also companies can contribute to, to in order, well, and they can also get a rendement, can have uh, some, some return uh, by contributing into this fund where it allows uh, the uh, public sector uh, to really invest more into housing. And the uh, public sector already has what we have been doing is buying up uh, houses that uh, were being uh, constructed where today there are no buyers because of uh, high interest rates and uh, uh, people and also being being quite scared to to heavily uh, to heavily invest uh, not knowing uh, what the situation is going to be in in the coming months uh, so that is uh, is one uh, area that we would uh, like to uh, really uh, see a big big housing uh, housing offensive, if I can call it that. It sounds a bit offensive, but where we really need to uh, work uh, work on. Uh, in general, also, I think the collaboration between the public and the private sector needs to be optimized. We need to work together uh, to uh, provide uh, really the solutions. And uh, because this is something uh, that is really a priority for the Democratic Party, um, is to support young people. Uh, to get through also this uh, this housing uh, crisis uh, situation because young people, even the ones that have a good education, are really wondering, am I ever going to have a house? How can I afford this? Um, so we really want to help uh, young people who are starting their uh, career, for example, when they buy their for first house that they have the registration costs uh, that they don't have to pay the registration costs uh, for their first house or have a, a tax-free uh, rent uh, subsidy. Uh, these are concrete proposals that would also help young people in these uh, difficult uh, uh, circumstances. So some very targeted plans there. Now, uh, you mentioned something which was uh, very important again, and as your role as Minister of Finance, something that will be incredibly important to the longevity of Luxembourg as a place people want to come to, which is the long-term view. And in your time as uh, Minister of Finance, you will have seen all sorts of companies, you will have spoken to 
goodness knows how many people per day. And so bringing all of that knowledge together, what have you learned from many different industries, but probably an awful lot in this finance industry, what the long term future sustainable vision for Luxembourg's economy would be? What would it look like? That's a very simple question, Lisa, to answer in a few, in a few minutes. Sorry. Perhaps one one thing I would like to come back to because it's it's a more general point, but it also has a connection with with coming back to housing is because sometimes I th I still think today our procedures uh, to get certain permits it really takes too long, and in the situation where we are today, this is no longer acceptable. So one of the things that we also uh, want to make sure happens very quickly if the DP is in the next government is to, uh, you know, limit also for the public administration's permits. If they don't answer within three months, then permission is given. I think this will also help uh, speed along uh, some uh, of uh, of the projects that are just not being realized because some procedures are just taken uh, taking uh, too long. Yes, I have, of course, in the one year and nine months that I've <laughs> been in, in government uh, spoken uh, to a lot of economic actors in Luxembourg. I have also uh, traveled a lot, be it uh, for, for European negotiations, but also uh, together, for example, with Luxembourg for Finance um, to speak uh, to companies who are headquartered, uh, be it in, in Asia or uh, trans, uh, transatlantic. Um, and I uh, get a lot of positive feedback. So uh, if, if we're talking about our economy being competitive and still being able to attract companies, attract talent, yes, we are. But of course, the competition is out there. Competition is fierce. Competition is not sleeping. Um, so neither should we and uh, neither are we. Uh, so this dialogue with, uh, with the sector, dialogue with companies, for me, is extremely important to know also what are their needs, what are the problems. One uh, issue that uh, often comes up is talent, mm -hmm. talent attraction, talent uh, retention. And uh, for the Democratic uh, Party uh, in our program, we have a lot of measures that we think should be taken to make sure that we can continue to attract uh, and retain uh, talent in Luxembourg. But I would like to add immediately one area that I would also hope to be able to work on in the future is uh, educating more talent in Luxembourg together with, uh, with the University of Luxembourg, for example. So we need talent, I would say, made in Luxembourg. And afterwards, uh, whatever we still haven't been able to create in Luxembourg, um, that uh, then uh, we need to uh, look to attract that uh, from uh, from overseas. So I think that is one area that uh, we have worked on. Also in uh, uh, in the budget of 2023, I have improved some of the measures that are in place for talent attraction. So we have worked on that, um, but there is uh, room uh, still for improvement uh, if, if the budget uh, situation uh, permits and uh, it's uh, something which would be a priority for me uh, as well. Another area, very briefly, uh, is sustainable finance. Everything to do with sustainable. I think the energy uh, transition, we need to get it done. We need to, uh, we need to get it uh, right. Again, this should not be something that is dictated, but uh, people who uh, invest, of course, investors 
want to make money. But I think today it's also very much about impact investment. Uh, people want to have an impact. Investors want to have an impact, be it uh, ecological um, to, to help uh, with the climate change situation, be it with other ESG uh, areas, uh, social, uh, etc. So I think investors want to have an impact. And as a government, we should create be creating such an environment where uh, this is possible also in terms of uh, in terms of innovation. Another priority, um, again, in the sustainable area, and we come a little bit back to housing is uh, to help uh, people also get photovoltaic uh, on their uh, roofs. When you drive through the country, you see very little uh, photovoltaic, um, how do you call it? Uh, solar. Solar. Solar panels. Solar panels. Thank you. That's mm -hmm. what I was looking for. <laughs> solar panels. Um, photovoltaic is the French. <laughs> the harder. Uh, the harder. French harder. Harder term. <laughs> uh, so, solar panels. So you see very little of this. And we want to encourage uh, people uh, to do this because they will be able to uh, produce uh, their own energy and not be reliant or dependable on, on prices, energy prices increasing uh, or, or decreasing. So provide for their own uh, energy. And today, um, people are, you know, some people, many people cannot afford this because this is quite, uh, quite expensive, despite uh, the uh, quite substantial subsidies that uh, the government is already giving. So uh, two things we want to do is, first of all, rather than people having to pay and then getting reimbursed uh, by government, have the government uh, cover uh, their part from the beginning so people don't need to pre-finance. And secondly, those who really cannot, people who really cannot afford uh, solar panels, that the government really helps them helps them with this uh, even, even more. And I think uh, like that, uh, with these kind of very concrete initiatives, um, we can make a better planet and... Uh, yeah. Well, you've, you've painted a, a wonderful vision there for the long term view for Luxembourg. And uh, yes, actually, when you mentioned talent attraction, that was really when you were talking about uh, the companies that you work with, that that's something that comes up in conversation quite a lot about talent attraction and how um, well it's linked even just uh, cross border workers. It's linked with the fact that we have indexation on salaries here in Luxembourg and that doesn't happen in our neighbouring uh, countries. And that's made a difference to, to how companies can operate here as well. I mean, what are your views on indexation? Indexation. At the moment, it's written into the laws. <laughs> so, I think indexation is uh, really part of the DNA of Luxembourg, and uh, uh, we see the success, the successful consequences of this, which is really social peace. And social peace is something that is uh, worth a lot. Uh, something that is also uh, seen um, by potential. Uh, future investors, it's very important because you don't have to go very far across the borders to see what it means when you don't have social peace. On the other hand, then when you are in inflation, uh, inflationary scenarios as we are uh, today, you see uh, the consequences of this for companies who uh, may budget uh, in their budget, uh, one indexation, maybe two indexation uh, for their for their company, for their employers, uh, employees, sorry. Um, but definitely Definitely not three, four, five, uh, as we, you know, mm -hmm. were experiencing now uh, with uh, the extreme inflation that uh, that we saw uh, recently. Um, so the government has also taken uh, taken steps to compensate companies for that. Because coming back to what I said in the beginning, what is really important for us is for companies to stay uh, comp 
competitive for our economy to stay competitive. So this is something that uh, we have decided in the context of the tripartite, uh, where we are involved in dialogue with uh, with social partners. Um, if we are going to be discussing the index in the future, this also should be done with social partners around the table. I think it's the only way we can uh, proceed uh, in favor of the future uh, of our uh, country, which has proven successful if we do that with uh, all the social partners uh, around the table. So we'll park taxes there for now because that's quite enough about money. <laughs> a few other points before I leave you to drive off to the next uh, engagement that you have today. One of many, I'm sure. It comes back to our audience. They're mostly international. A number of them can vote and I would guess the majority cannot vote. Um, I know, and I'm sure most of our listeners know, what we need to do be to become citizens here. Um, what are your views on this and our right to vote? Well, the Democratic Party was uh, the party that initiated uh, the uh, referendum. And to ask precisely this question to uh, to the people, should non-Luxembourgish uh, passport holders be uh, allowed to vote in the national elections? And the result of that was overwhelmingly uh, negative. Mm. Um, so <laughs> as, as a Democratic Party, uh, we need to uh, respect uh, this outcome. But uh, I have also lived in many different countries around the world um, and I've also brought myself in wherever uh, I've uh, lived to try to be part of that uh, society, to contribute in whichever way I can, to learn uh, the language, etc., etc. So I think for those who then cannot vote... Um, because they can in municipal elections or in the European uh, elections, but not uh, in the uh, national legislative elections. Um, I would hope that they use all the other instruments and facilities where they can bring their opinion in because there are so many ways to do this. Uh, just to give you also one example, because this is something that is very close to the heart of many people. Again, coming back to climate change, uh, the Prime Minister initiated a climate change um, citizens forum or convention, Bierjarot uh, in, in Luxembourgish, um, where also all citizens can be involved because we want to hear from the citizens. But there's many different ways to get involved. And I hope that those who cannot vote will uh, still manage to find ways uh, to do that. And as a final wrap up, really, I wanted to give you the floor because I know two topics that you're very passionate about and we've seen it in the work that you've done is uh, your vocation towards women and also towards sustainability in all its arenas. I mean, we've spoken about sustainable finance, but they are two topics that come up repeatedly with the work that you've done. And I think uh, the women aspect and sustainable sustainability aspect are inextricably linked uh, because you also see, for example, uh, female-led companies, uh, according to, uh, to some um, uh, documents or uh, research uh, that uh, Christine Lagarde, who is the president of the European Central Bank, also mentions often, is that female-led companies, for example, have a lower carbon footprint. So this is also something that should have one, uh, one thinking, um, you know, to have more diversity. More diversity in, in decision-making can only lead uh, wherever it is in, in any company, um, be it big or, or small, wherever you are, the more diverse uh, the uh, decision-making forum is, uh, the better, I think, uh, the uh, conclusions or the decisions uh, will be. So yes, as uh, 
being responsible now for the financial uh, sector, for our finance center of, of Luxembourg. That is something that has been very dear to my heart because you see women really still quite underrepresented. This has changed a lot, though. You see many fantastic women also heading uh, heading banks uh, today, heading other financial services institutions. Uh, uh, also, uh, for example, the Luxembourg Stock Exchange is, uh, is uh, led by a, a woman very capably. Uh, so the situation has improved uh, fundamentally but there's still a long way to go. And I'm very proud that together with the uh, sector we launched uh, uh, this year, the Women in Finance Charter, that uh, many companies have uh, signed up to, to set their own targets. Again, nothing that is imposed, but company who signed up to this charter uh, sets its own targets for women in leadership positions within their company. And then, of course, uh, you have to measure yourself and you know how you have improved against the own targets that you set, because unless you measure measure that, you know, just setting yourself targets and not following up is not going to bring us forward either. So this is some stock taking will have to take place in a year uh, or so to see uh, if this is actually helping to improve uh, the situation. But yes, this is something that I'm really very, very passionate uh, about, um, because women are still underrepresented. I also see that on the level of finance ministers, uh, there are in the European Union, I think uh, today, it's, it, it changes because governments change eight Uh, eight finance ministers uh, in the uh, EU, which is better than in the past, but, you know, there's still a way uh, to go there uh, as well. Uh, women finance ministers in the world, last time I counted, was uh, uh, about 29 out of more than 200 countries. Uh, so, yes, we have we have a ways to go, but I think uh, both men and women uh, should be uh, supporting uh, also having women get get a better chance and women also perhaps daring uh, a little bit more to take up challenges uh, that are a little bit outside of their comfort uh, zone. And anyway, I have tried in the different positions that I have taken up uh, over the past uh, past years really try to try to promote uh, try to promote that. Well, thank you so much, Eureka Bakas, Minister of Finance here in Luxembourg, for your time, for all that you've done in your time in government. And we will wait to see what happens in the upcoming elections. And uh, no doubt you have your work really quite tightly packed in the next couple of weeks. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Lisa. Thank you. Mm-hmm.